difficult Bible reading, wasn't it? <laughs> Full of uh, difficult concepts. You've been notified. It's not an easy book. Notified is the name of this series. And we were notified some time ago that we would be taking this series and speaking. And I get notifications to say, your appointment at the dentist is tomorrow. Are you coming? Yes or no. You've got your appointment at the doctor. Are you coming? Yes or no. And there's all these notifications come. But last night, they forgot to send me a notification that would affect me this morning. There will be a power outage in your area and you won't be able to have coffee before you come to church. (laughs) Wasn't that sad? I didn't get a notification. All those who live in that area had power outages this morning? Yes, it was a bit sad, wasn't it, Phil? Anyhow, I got here and fortunately we have a wonderful cafe and I was able to have my coffee and to just have a little bit of a confession, thinking, suddenly, Lord, the coffee became more important than you. So I publicly confessed that, and I did publicly and privately confess that. So that's the start of our little book, Jude, who's writing to notify the churches in general that they have a big problem. So bear with me as we go through this. But first of all, this wonderful and weird book is amazing. It's full of one-liners that we've learnt, that incredible doxology or benediction or prayer at the end is amazing. And then we know that there's quotes from books like from Enoch. There's about Moses and Michael and having an angel fighting and slandering the devil. There's little quotes from uh, angels who somehow or rather got involved in this story. But you know, this book describes to us exactly what Jude was like. And he introduced himself, Jude, also probably called Judas, but took a nickname Jude or Judas so he didn't get confused with the other Judas. He calls himself a servant of Jesus Christ, doulos, a bond slave, a servant of Jesus Christ. He calls himself a brother of James. James was the leader of the Jerusalem church. But what he doesn't say is probably even more telling. He doesn't say, and I grew up with Jesus as my brother, half-brother. This was one of Jesus' four half-brothers or step-brothers or brothers. He didn't grow up saying, I knew him. And he never calls the Lord Jesus Christ just by the name Jesus. Because he did that when he was a kid. But now, somewhere between the beginnings of the gospel stories, when they ridiculed and were quite cynical about who their brother was, there was a great conversion experience, an awakening within them that this Jesus with whom they grew up was indeed God's Christ, 
and Lord. So it either calls him the Lord Jesus Christ or the Christ or Jesus Christ or Master, never just Jesus. So from this, I learn that Jude was quite a humble servant of the Lord. He could have done names dropping. You, you watch the program um, Keeping Up Appearances? You know that Mrs. Bouquet? She just dropped names like rain. Is that right? And Jude could have done this, but he didn't. And he writes to us, and he calls us three things. Called, he calls us beloved of the Father, and he calls us that we are kept safe for Jesus. Called, beloved, kept safe. And I want you to remember that because he's writing not to a specific church but to general churches right throughout the then known world because Jude was an itinerant evangelist. And we learn that from Corinthians 9, just a little statement there. And he had his nose to the ground and his ear there and he heard and he saw stuff that really disturbed him. And here's Jude wanting to write a letter about all the wonderful things about God, about Jesus, the majesty, the glory, the wonder, the beauty, what Jesus has done and what the churches are doing. And instead, he has to write a letter because what he's heard has disturbed him. And what we hear today sometimes disturbs us. When people use the name of Jesus for financial gain, for political gain, to prove a point, any point. Did you know that you can prove anything from the Bible? Anything you like. You can just open it and just prove. But the full story, the gospel, the faith in context will soon put that down. So he'd heard a lot. He was an itinerant evangelist. And he's writing to the called, the beloved, the ones who are kept. And that tells me that he also had a very, what we call Trinitarian theology, understanding of God. God, the Holy Spirit, is the one who calls, does the evangelizing work, works in this world without us even knowing what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's at work right now, in this place, in this world, even where the name of Jesus is not preached, the Holy Spirit is at work, revealing truth, convincing of righteousness and convicting of sin. So it is through the work of the Holy Spirit that we've been chosen by God to be his, called to respond, called to belong, called to acknowledge so that we become the, cho the chosen ones. And then he talks, of course, beloved in God the Father. I love this because one of the very first things that we hear about Jesus when he started his ministry on earth was at his baptism where the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove 
And God the Father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And that same God the Father says of you and me, you are my beloved in whom I am well pleased, I dare to say. Beloved. Take that, beloved. We are God's beloved. And uh, one of the beautiful things is that then uh, Jude starts off, uh, he talks about we kept safe for Jesus Christ, that's there too. So you have this understanding of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit in just what he calls us, the chosen ones called by the Spirit, the beloved and kept safe. Isn't that great? Kept safe in Jesus till Jesus comes again. That's who you are. You got it? That's enough to go home with and to live on for a week or forever. But then he just gives a little blessing, which is rich. And the blessing is, may peace, mercy, and love be yours in abundance. And if I've got those in abundance, it will outflow from me to others. Isn't that true? If I have received mercy, I can be merciful. And Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So that's wonderful. Now, we are the beloved of God, but three times James calls us beloved. James is a true Jewish scholar. So we've learnt a lot about James so far, itinerant evangelist, servant of God, brother of James, half-brother of Jesus, faithful follower of Jesus, of God, but he's also the scholar, incredible scholar. And he knows Jewish literature, and he quotes from Jewish literature, now, you might think, why on earth does he quote from a book called Enoch, the testimony of Moses or the assumption of Moses? Why does he quote from the book of Jubilees? Because Jewish people knew their literature. And if I was going to talk to a computer nerd, I would probably try to use computer language to talk to them about Jesus. You need to change your hard drive, okay? You need to reboot. You need to be recharged, if you're going to talk to an English literature student, you talk about Shakespeare or whatever they're studying. So he knew that they knew their Jewish literature, and he quotes from that, and he's very good. But back to him, he calls us beloved three times. He writes to us, Jude, and he uses this little triad of three 14 times in this book. And here is your invitation as you read this book, to find out 14 times that he used groups of three. You got it? He's already, I've already done two of them for you. Chosen, beloved, kept, mercy, peace, love. And now he calls us beloved three times. And I was thinking about this and I thought, I wonder if I came to church this morning and just said, hello, my beloved Courtney. Hello, my beloved Zach. Hello, my beloved Wayne. My beloved... Forgotten. <laughs> Beck. 
I better shut up or I'll get the names all wrong. Um, you would think I was suddenly over the top. And, but that's who we are. Not just beloved of God, but the beloved family together. You and you and you. Those who are followers of Jesus are mutually beloved brothers and sisters. Isn't that beautiful? And that's it. So now we get to the reason for his writing. He said, I wanted to write to you and tell you all the wonderful things, but, but, but I've got to write to you because I've heard that there are some destroyers of the faith going around. Intruders, his reason for writing was to contend for the faith. And actually, he doesn't answer this question until we get to verses 20, 21. But he says, I want you to be able to stand up, fight, know what you're standing up for. You've got to know what and who you believe, okay? Contending for the faith. That faith, notice it's not your faith or my faith. It's that faith that faith. And the faith is the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ from the beginning to the end. Now, a lot of people just know that if I give my heart to Jesus, that's enough for me forever, okay? I can do what I like. If I come to church, that's enough. I can do what I like. I can just tick the box if I read my Bible every day and give a little prayer, say thank you for grace. But that faith is not the actions It's knowing the God story from Genesis right through to now until Jesus comes again. It's the gospel. And I want you to know this. As you can see, I've got grey hair and I've uh, been a Christian for a long time and I still get surprised by what I read in the scriptures. I love the word of God. I love the surprises that come and are there. And there's always the growing and the knowing and the inspiration from the Spirit of God, the faith. You got it? Not your faith. But the God story, my story in the God story, your story in the God story. So we've got intruders who can steal from the faith. You got that? That's an interesting little word called thieves. They are intruding, coming into the churches and trying to steal from the faith by adding to it or subtracting to it. For first of all, they're called perverters of the grace of God. They are there and they're basically saying, you have received grace. That's wonderful. And now you are totally free to do what you like. Because if you sin, you just say, sorry, God, and get on with your life. This is called antinomianism. It's a heresy. And even to this day, it is taught. It says there's no law. I'm absolutely free from every restraint, from everything that there is. I am free to do what I want to do. Does that sound familiar with what's going on in our country at the moment? Freedom days, they wanted. Freedom is only ever found in Jesus. Totally free in him. And I'm free to love him 
to love God with all my heart. So it's against the law. It's against, It's total restraint. No restraints at all. Nothing. Just grab and do what you like because there's grace. The past is forgiven. Do what you like. The other thing they were called were charismatic dreamers. Now, I'm using charismatic in the right sense here. That basically meant they could flatter you. They had the character to draw you into themselves. They had that, uh, what we call the beautiful sense of being able to be persuaders and people who can make you follow them regardless. And they had this incredible personality that drew you in. It's very hard to get away from people like that. And they had wonderful dreams and visions. Later on, it says, they promised much but didn't deliver. Does that remind you of what happens today? Promised much, didn't deliver. They were like clouds without water. So you're in a drought, you're waiting, you see clouds, the rain doesn't come. Wind that doesn't move the sailing ship. They deny Jesus as Lord, and they say, follow me, follow my teaching. And they are people who are the influencers on Instagram, if they had it in those days. Influencers, powerful, charismatic, dreamers. They defile the flesh. They give you permission to do anything sexually. Otherwise, eat what you like. No restraints. They slander the glorious ones or blaspheme. They are bombastic, flattering. They are described as the people who wandered in the wilderness, grumblers and malcontenters, complainers and all of this kind of stuff. And thirdly, they just live for their own advantage. Just live for their own advantage because it's all about money. Money. You got that? Money. So there's three things about these people. Pervert the grace of God. You can do what you like because grace is abundant. Charismatic dreamers, be a follower of me rather than of Jesus. And make sure you pay for it. (laughs) Take your money while you're there. Intruders who steal from the faith. Beware. That is why one of the writers says in John, test what you hear. What I'm saying, go home, read it in scripture, make sure that you know that what you're hearing is aligned with the faith that we have. So we have uh, the intruders. Now, what is said there is that these people know from past history of what happened in the Old Testament that condemnation waits for them. You got that? They say that. And so they are given warnings, warnings about what happened in the past. There's warnings from the people of Israel, who even though uh, the reading that we had today said Jesus delivered them out of Egypt, even though God was the one that parted the the Red Sea and brought them out of Egypt and was taking them to the Promised Land, Because they did not believe in God, that generation did not enter the promised land. That's a warning. It's also reiterated in Hebrews. And then he uses angels. 
as the second warning. And he talks about angels who did not keep their position but left their proper dwelling. He kept in eternal chains in the deepest darkness for judgment on that great day. Now, it's probably alluding to Genesis 6, okay? You can follow that up. But their scriptures, sorry, not their scriptures, their writings, Jewish literature had these stories in them. And we know that angels did not keep their right place and they did come to earth and they are now called demons or devil, whatever. Just refer back to some sessions we had before. And he says, and look at the Sodom and Gomorrah story. Because of their sexual perversion, they too were destroyed. So here's a warning. And the warning basically is rebellion has consequences. You got that? Rebellion has consequences. Now, we don't hear a lot, or we don't take much notice of this today because we live in a soft society. We try to find out what caused the rebellion. And that's okay. We do need people to look at our inner heart and help us understand. But outright, straight rebellion against God has consequences. And it's eternal judgment. Okay, you got it? Eternal judgment. And they were there for the warning. Gotta hurry. He gives some illustrations about Michael. And the devil, and this is a quote from a book called The Assumption of Moses or The Testament of Moses. And uh, it's basically when Moses died and was taken there, there was supposedly this contest between Michael, the good angel, and the devil. And the devil's trying to say, Moses doesn't deserve getting up into heaven. And instead of Michael, the good angel, <laughs> contesting and working against the devil, he just says, the Lord rebuke you. I'm not going to slander. I'll let God do it. And the story, if you ever can read it, says the devil left at that time. Then there's three more illustrations that are given. The way of Cain. You read that, the way of Cain. That's basically the same, lawlessness. He's the uh, prototype of lawlessness, the one who didn't do what he knew he should do. He didn't bring the right offering, and then jealousy, hatred, and mercy entered, and, and murder came. Then there was the illustration of Balaam, who was hired as a prophet to bring condemnation. And he couldn't do it that way because God kept stopping him. And so he did it another way, through money being paid for sexual advantage for people. And there's an example of Korah, way back. If you don't know your Old Testament, of course, these, these writers knew their Old Testament. I invite you to keep knowing your Old Testament story. Then you understand the new. You understand what's happening in this world. Korah lived during the time of Moses, and he and some followers, about 250 of them, decided that Moses was no longer going to be leader. Who appointed you? He said. Who made you leader? And he too receive judgment. So we have three examples, again, three illustrations of lawlessness, of uh, lack of submission to authority, of slander of the glorious ones. And they too are damned and received judgment. Then we've got two prophecies. 
one from one of their book, from the book of Enoch, that said, people who do not follow God will be judged. And then he even quotes some of the writings. If you look at 2 Peter chapter 2, it's very similar to Jude. It says, scoffers and faithless teachers, people will come and they will be people who indulge in, it says there, their own ungodly lusts, and they will try to lead you astray. So even in their day, there were already heretics or false teachers or people who were saying, you can do your own thing. You don't have to submit to God. You don't have to do that. You can rebel. You can get money for for following Jesus. You can be a charismatic leader. You can have any dream, and you can tell them anything. Already in his day, there were those kind of things, people. But he then comes to how can I contend for the faith? How can I contend? And he says four things. He says, build up yourselves in your most holy faith. Build yourselves up. Now, this is plural. And part of that you're obeying today because you're here together, being built up, building each other up through song, through teamwork, through looking at this, what's happening, through talking about Jesus, through all of these things. We need each other to keep us strong in the faith. Did you know that? We need that. We need to build ourselves up, to build each other up, to be there for others. And then it says, pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, this is pretty important because, you know, sometimes we just spill out words and they just, give me this, give me this, Lord. I can't understand this. Why did this happen to me? It says pray in the Spirit. Stop. Wait. Pause. Listen. Use the word. Pray. Talk to God about your disappointments. Talk to God about your anxieties. Talk to God about your fears, but wait and listen, and see what the Spirit says through his word, see what the Spirit says through someone else, see what the Spirit says through creation. Wait, listen, listen to the Spirit of God in your praying. And it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, that's interesting. Keep yourselves. God never stops loving, right? But it says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Very good story is the prodigal son. He went away from his father. His father kept loving him, but the prodigal son moved away from the love of the father, right? And he didn't go back to the father because the father loved him. He went back to the father because he was hungry and because he had no money and no friends. And he decided he'd have a better deal with his father because he knew the character of his father but he'd forgotten the love of the father. And when he went back, he put himself back into the love of the father. And that's what you're to do with your God. And then it says, wait, wait. Look forward to the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and that leads to eternal life. I don't know how long we have to wait till Jesus comes again, but the original readers of this book would have waited 2,000 years. (laughs) We're still waiting for Jesus Christ to come back. He finishes with two pastoral activities for the church to get along. He says, come along with your mercy that's been given to you in abundance, overflows. Show mercy to each other. Show them 
the error of the ways, and some will listen, and some will come. Be merciful. And you know, even for those who do not listen, who arrogantly stand there and say, no, 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 it still says, be merciful for those. Don't enter into argument. You won't change them. Be merciful. Be loving. Be kind. Finally, we come to one of the greatest doxologies that has ever been written. Some people call it a benediction. Some call it a prayer. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Our God is able to keep. He's able to make you stand so that you can contend with mercy for your faith. You can live in the truth of the gospel. He will keep you. He will make you stand. And on that day when we stand before Jesus, when he comes again, we will be without blemish, faultless before him because we have his righteousness. We're kept in his love. We've built ourselves up. We have been waiting expectantly and knowing, and we will be without blemish. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you think that's a great book? Don't you think it's just amazing? Our God is amazing. In my pocket, I have a little stone. As for you to take one of these today, I went through a very, very dark time about 20 years ago, and I kept a white stone in my hand, pocket. I walked around with it for nearly 18 months. And it reminded me that I was chosen, beloved, and kept from Jude. And the writing may come off, but the white stone there is to remind you who you are in this world as we together build each other up, keep each other in the love of God, walk worthy of our calling as we do, we remember. And when we forget, we just go to our pocket, if you've got a pocket or a handbag, and you get a stone and you remember that you're chosen by the Spirit of God, kept for Jesus Christ and the beloved of God. So we are going to close with a song. And during this song, we've got stones here. We can't hand them out because of COVID. But they're here for you to come and get one. We want you all to take a stone today, in your pocket, in your handbag, where in front of your mirror every day, where you can see it so that you know who you are. And for those who do not know this, we invite you to come and have a chat and to pray with someone at the end. Let me pray before we sing. Thank you, Lord, that you are our God, the glorious one, the majestic one, the one with all authority. 
and that you are keeping us until that day when Jesus comes again and we will stand before you without fault, without blemish, knowing that we truly are the beloved, the chosen, and we have been kept. Pray this in your name. Amen.